0: Hello everybody and welcome to our next episode of Safeguarding News. I'm Vicky Chafe. I'm Head of Community and Partnership Relations at the Safeguarding Company and I'm joined by Luke.
1: Hello, I'm Luke Ramson. I'm Deputy Head at St Benedict's School and Chair of the Safeguarding Panel for the Safeguarding Company.
0: Wonderful. And today's highlights are we're going to be discussing Dove's new campaign about kids online safety and their beauty be real. And we're also going to be talking about the DFE's research paper around working lives of teachers and leaders. So I'm going to kick off today and it just so happens that I was perusing my LinkedIn and somebody, one of my contacts had posted this video and it was an incredibly powerful video and it showed the life of a child as she she grew up and then she was a very happy child then she got her phone and was then released into the world of social media and it showed her mental health deteriorating but it's it's real life clips as well um and it showed that she started to have a real battle with eating disorders and she had a, a real body dysmorphia uh issue as well and it all stemmed from the glorification of beauty that is shown online and what is expected to be beauty now you can very much stretch this into everything else in fact my daughter it was her birthday recently and she got one of these rainbow high dolls very beautiful lovely colourful hair but I said to my eldest daughter this is is what is now being portrayed as as beautiful and it was a very small waist and it was very small um, legs and and perfectly symmetrical faces and it's just not real and it's not reality. So Dove have created this campaign and they've actually created a petition as well to make more accountability for the social media sites. So they've said that 8 in 10 um, Youth mental health specialists Say that social media is Fueling a mental health crisis They've asked for you To join in their mission to make social Media a more positive place By taking a stand against Its harmful design so that Platforms can be safer for children So there's the, the, the Video then which is called Cost of Beauty And then underneath there Is a petition That they're asking people to sign and it's called the Dove Dove Self-Esteem Project and it's partnering with Common Sense Media and Parents Together Action to advance the Kids Online Safety Act, supporting designing standards and safeguarding to protect children online. So they've asked everybody to, to sign that petition, and it's, it's got a few hundred thousand signatures already. But I just thought it was a really powerful video, and one that will really resonate with parents, with the children, with other members of staff, and it's got some really valuable resources on there. So I've, I've linked everything in the show notes. I've, I've linked the video separately as well, if you want to go and have a look at it. Um. But it's it's just, it's a really, really good resource page as well. So, Luke, you wanted to talk about the working lives of teachers and leaders.
1: Yeah, and it very much dovetails with what you were talking about um, with the, um, the rise in mental health issues, the rise in all sorts of pastoral issues. And it's very interesting that this report was um, pushed out in the middle of the school holidays with absolutely no fanfare by the government, and this is a report that's been done, uh, a survey of over 11,000 teachers and leaders across uh, England, and um, it's a lot of it wouldn't be that surprising, you know, we're in the middle of um, teachers going on strike and worries about pay and conditions, and so a lot of those things it gives really, really helpful you know, details about you know, what's going wrong. The thing that struck me was what an interesting and, and worrying light it sheds on our ability to be good at safeguarding in schools and to be be excellent at pastoral care because of this real sort of dilemma of increasing squeezes on teachers' time, on resources, but a growing job that we have to do. So I'll just go through a few key points. It's about 150 pages, so I thought it'd be useful for me to just draw out some of the key findings. But if you want to have a look, I've put the uh, link to the document um, in the notes to this podcast but um, do have a look yourself and there's quite a useful sort of executive summary at the beginning which tells you some key points. But the first thing, no, not surprising at all, but um, it said that life satisfaction for teachers, given the current strikes, um, life satisfaction for teachers it found was 6.1 out of 10, which they said was lower than any equivalent group of um, adults sort of in different jobs. In the country, so it said lower than other equivalents, Um, and it struck me that if teachers aren't feeling very good in their well-being, then supporting the well-being of students is going to be pretty tricky. Uh, So that, from the outset, was for me a a big concern and something that clearly, when people are asking, you know, what what is, uh, you know, what are the challenges facing schools and teachers, that that has to be a big one. And then directly linking with that is uh, their finding, their second finding about workload. And again, lots of teachers will nod their heads a lot at this. They said 56% of teachers and leaders in schools thought their workload was unacceptable, so over half. And then of that, 75% thought that just general admin was taking up too much of their time. And so it was very interesting to see that. A lot of teachers will think that paperwork, just sorting things out, that's doing administration rather than focusing on the well-being of students was taking on uh, too much of their time. So two headline bits of news that, again, won't be that surprising. But I think if you're a school leader or indeed um, a DSL or a teacher, seeing that real objective fact, you know, this is a Department for Education um, bit of research, uh, so um, potentially sort of surprising that that they're finding this thing that you know, demonstrates why people are going on strike. Um, a third important thing was, and this is something where perhaps school leaders could start to do something about this, uh, 50% of teachers said they spent too much time on following up behaviour issues. Um, and that struck me as an interesting point. Um, and. In particular, the last podcast we did talked about mandatory reporting, something I strongly feel is now a really good idea and should be put in place. But it also struck me that if currently teachers are saying too much time is spent on behaviour and pastoral issues, if that um, one study in Australia said there'll be a six-fold increase in pastoral concerns and reporting, if we're already struggling, if you increase that by six, I, I guess, how does that really work? So there's a big problem there of potentially saying we're going to increase the workload for schools. Um, I think it's a sensible thing to want to address all these pastoral issues and deal with them in in the proper way. But but how we're going to do that is something surely the government has to address um, properly. Um, Number four was looking at CPD, the professional development of teachers. Now, interestingly, the the, uh, bit of training that most teachers felt they'd done was safeguarding. So that's that was a real positive. That was a good thing. But it did strike me that 80% of teachers said they'd done formal CPD this year about safeguarding. So one thing that did strike me was 20% haven't. Um, so which is probably 20% more than you want. Uh, so that yeah. that in itself was a high number but did raise its own questions. And then particularly again another thing where the government uh, you were know, rightly saying we want to have a greater focus on PSHE Particularly RSE, you know, sex education, relationships education is very important. But we know, don't we, across schools, there are very few specialists, very few people are, you know, trained in just being a PSHE or RSE teacher. Um, so it's striking that 48% of teachers who teach PSHE as a second subject, which is most teachers, most people do it as an extra thing, um, mm-hmm. did not feel confident in their subject knowledge on PSHE. So at least about around half of teachers um, teaching PSHE aren't confident in their subject knowledge. So again, that might not surprise a lot of people. A lot of school leaders will be saying, yes, no, this is a big challenge. We've got to train up a lot of teachers to be really effective at teaching PSHE. But it was very striking that a national survey across England really you know, gave um, the, the numbers uh, to back that up. Do you know um, it's
0: interesting that you should say that sorry to interject but yeah, it just it just really highlighted something for me is that i've just done a podcast with dr emily Setti who did the um consent paper around uh, boys and their perceptions mm. of of consent and we we spent an awful lot of time talking about how teachers just aren't trained or equipped to be able to have these conversations to to be informed well enough to yeah. be able to take these conversations where they need to go. And then it turns into a really dangerous area yes. there at that point. And then you've got all the time constraints as well that everything's that goes on within school as well, where actually there's something where you can say we're, we're doing more harm than good in some respects there. Well,
1: ill informed relationships and sex education is good. No are self-evidently pretty disastrous. So absolutely, absolutely I think a you know, huge amount on training, huge amount on and there are lots of good external companies, but then again, you know, one of the points that I thought was reasonable from the government was to say there are quite a few companies that perhaps aren't so well-regulated and aren't so good on uh, relations to sex education. So that is a whole area that that need to, needs to be looked at really carefully. Um, interestingly, again, very closely linked with um, safeguarding pastoral care, is that one of the other key areas where teachers said they lacked confidence was in quote adapting teaching to the needs of all pupils so largely to do with students say of special educational needs or disabilities yeah. uh, only 72 percent said they were confident in that um, so that strikes that there's lots of um, uh, there were over a quarter of teachers saying they're really not confident in that and in particular there was a group um, of Early career teachers who were asked about this, and they said that um, three quarters of them said that they haven't been um, well prepared for SEND support in lessons. So that's another area where clearly they are the areas where students can feel um, marginalised, feel less well included. Um, They need to have their um, needs met, and that's where again teachers are perhaps not feeling they're being well supported. Um, One bright note: always good to finish on a bright note. Is that two thirds of teachers did say that people behaviour was good, and only 16% said behaviour was poor or very poor. One thing I did notice that was very interesting was that school leaders were much, much more positive. So, those people who aren't actually in the classroom, uh, 42% of school leaders said people behaviour was very good, uh, 17% of people actually in the classroom. So, it just struck me there is that contrast between the people who are uh, leading schools perhaps not having uh, quite as uh, the same view as the people who are actually in the trenches. Um, just one other document very quickly to note is that TES also did a school well-being report uh, of another 6,000 or so teachers um, and uh, it's not surprising to say it actually found very, very similar things about workload, uh, about um, the concerns that teachers have um, and um, just something I'm going to quote because I think they've put it really well in the conclusion Uh, to their report, they talk about a tug of war of the teaching procession, uh, profession, sorry, while systemic issues such as funding and workload are continuing to push staff to their limit. um, Strong relationships with students remain front and and centre, but it's clear that teachers need more support in that, it goes on to say. So I think those two documents, and I would highly recommend them to any teacher or school leader, This. for education report and this tes report um to look at them but those key headlines are they're not no they're not that surprising i think but they do provide a really uh, useful you know quantifiable view of what's going on around the country around england and also um putting it in that framework of safeguarding pastoral care you know, it strikes me that if there are all these problems that, being within our teaching um, group, then it's going to be a real struggle to be as excellent as we want to be in safeguarding and pastoral care, and that's clearly the challenge that lies ahead.
0: And it's it's conversation that we've had many times where, it, when you're you're on an aeroplane, the first thing that they tell you to do if you're in an emergency is to to put your own life mask on before you support yes. others. And and this is no different, is it? And it we need to to sort out our teachers mental health and before we can even tackle what's going on with our children because you just aren't in the, the the best frame of mind to support and it's and it can be quite triggering as well for some of our members of staff
1: absolutely so, and, and to go to, to a point you mentioned just before the podcast so it's somewhat similar to the idea about maths teacher. though it is a really nice idea to say, we're going to teach students maths up to 18, but then you turn around and ask the very basic question of, do we have enough teachers? In the same way, it's brilliant to think we're going to teach RSE fantastically to all our students, but where's the support, where are the teachers? It's brilliant to think we're going to have mandatory reporting and we're going to have fantastic safeguarding care, but where's the support, where's the workload provision? All of these things have to be answered if we're actually practically going to be able to make these changes.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, everybody, for listening to our latest episode of Safeguarding News. As ever, please join in the conversation in the Safeguarding community. We'd love to hear what your thoughts are on what we've been talking about today. And until next time, I'm Vicky Chafe.
1: Emily Granson.
0: Fabulous. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye.
1: Bye.